Yo, what is up, my friends? This is your host of The Pursuit, Mr. Adam X, and you're listening to The Pursuit on the Out of Collective. A lot of big things happening. Uh, I just drove my van across the country. Nebraska is great. We all love Nebraska. Uh, currently in Denver for the next couple days. Uh, if you're listening, you're out west. Slide to my DMs at Mr. Adam X. Let's go skiing. Let's go tour. Let's go biking. Let's do the damn thing. Uh, yeah, I'm out west. It's great. Uh, I'll be out here for the whole month of March. I'll be in Moab riding bikes. That's really it. That's what I got going on. So things are great. Stoke is high. Life is good. Other than that, I do have some like, I don't know. I don't know if it's advice, but like I mean this and I I don't know how else to say it, but like how about don't be a piece of shit? And I I, I genuinely mean that. Um, just be nice to each other. It's not that hard. It's a lot harder to be mean and be rude than it is to be nice. So just be nice. It's nice to be nice. And that's it. That's what I'm leaving everyone with. Um, yeah. Yeah, just be nice to each other. Let's try it. Let's try it for the month of March, just being nice. Speaking of being nice... Let's talk about my first sponsor, Onyx Backcountry. It's an app. You download it on your phone. You can use it on your computer. Go to onyxmaps.com. Use code out of bounds. Save 20% on your yearly subscription. It's literally a guidebook in your pocket. Doesn't get much easier than that. You can save maps, save them offline so you don't need internet. You can put waypoints. You can create routes. Uh, onyxmaps.com. Use code out of bounds for 20% off your subscription. And with that, I mean, now that we're, you know, it's still winter, we're still touring, but like they have off-road maps. Check out their network. It's pretty fantastic. uh, And it's a great tool. And it's, I I don't know what else to say about it. It's that simple. Check it out. Onyxmaps.com. Use code out of bounds. I know. We go to the resorts. It's a little sketch. Some of us are 30 something years old and don't have the best health insurance. Which is where my next sponsor comes in. Spot insurance. Let's face it. If you're active, the risk of injury is always present. Meaning if we push ourselves too hard, we're one accident away from crushing medical expenses. Not to mention less time spent doing the things we love. That's why Spot partners with ski resorts like Telluride, Taos, organizations like USA Cycling, and events like Red Bull Last Stand to offer injury insurance with lift tickets, memberships, and race registrations. Spot easily integrates with any booking platform and does all the heavy lifting to ensure your guests are covered. If your customer gets hurt, Spot can cover up to 25,000 of their out-of-pocket medical bills per incident with zero deductible. With Spot, your customers can focus on a full and quick recovery so they can get back to living their best lives. Visit autobounds.getspot.com to partner with Spot and provide your guests with an amazing experience while showing them that their health and safety are top priorities. A win for you, your business, and your community. So check it out. Autobounds.getspot.com for all your information on it. So I'm a fanboy of my next guest. I will say that. I will say it out loud. Emily Tildwell is a photographer. Action sports. I hate the word action sports, but action sports photographer. She's out of Reno. She just came back from Kings and Queens of Corbett's. She is a staff photographer at Palisades. Ride Concepts. She photographs. She does it all. She is a artist with that camera. We talk about it. We talk about breaking into the industry and how much it sucks. Talk about being a female in the industry. Uh, it's just a super fun conversation. And again, I'm a fanboy. So we talk about it. We talk about dropping out of college four times and just, you know, making it work and feeling comfortable. And she's doing it. She's crushing it. Check out her work. Follow her on Instagram. I'm going to look up her Instagram right now. I know this is a terrible thing to do in an intro, but this is what I do. So we're all going to deal with it. I believe it is at Emily Tidwell, but let me 
look real quick because that's that's what I do on the podcast. Emily underscore Tidwell, T-I-D-W-E-L-L underscore photo. Follow her. She's a badass. Uh, she's doing some TikTok things. She's doing some selfie stuff. Her work, oh my, it's unbelievable. Uh, proud and honored to have a conversation with her. So here it is, uh, episode dropping with Emily. All right, cool. Well, my name is Emily Tidwell. I'm a photographer. I live mostly in the outdoor space, kind of specializing in skiing and snowboarding and mountain biking. I live in Reno, Nevada. I do a lot of work in Tahoe. Recently, I've been traveling a lot. I am a uh, zoo owner of a dog and a cat that sometimes feel like they're multiplied by 10. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking the time and hopping on. I know you were, you're on a busy schedule and you just got back from Jackson Hall. Yes. How is yeah, that? Yeah, King Queens. How is that? <laughs> it, <laughs> not going to lie, it was really rough conditions out there. Uh, yeah, so we were out for Kings and Queens, um, which is an incredible event at Jackson Hole where athletes, both skiers, snowboarders, men and women, uh, launched their meet into Corbett's Coolar, which is underneath the tram. If you've ever been at Jackson Hole, you'll see it right as you're coming up over the top. And yeah, the whole goal is how silent can you be through the whole thing? So people will build lips off the the top to kind of jump into the couloir. Sometimes they do backies. This year was not the year to do that. Then there's a bunch of features that they build inside the couloir, some really nice uh, jumps and features. And then at the bottom, there's like a huge jump line. And then there's the crowd of people at the bottom. Um, and yeah, I'm not going to lie. The conditions were really rough. Um, it was cold. It was windy. The whole West Coast has been in this crazy high pressure system for weeks now. Some of us four, some of us six. Tahoe was really dry for a minute. And there was a lot of concern, I think, at the beginning of this contest, if it was even going to go on. I mean, it was firm. It was very, very firm, not even chalky in spots, just sheer ice, which you don't really expect to see, especially in Wyoming. Uh, but we got a few inches of snow. I think we got two or three inches of snow the the day before the contest and things were lining up. It looked like there was some snow that had blown into the couloir and there were hopes that it was going to be soft. And then oh, there was a wind that held the night before the comp. And when we all showed up at the top of the couloir, it was wind, wind loaded, packed in there really gnarly. But uh, everybody... Through down, we still had really rough winds that day, like 20 mile an hour consistent. It was sub 15 when we got to the top of the tram in the morning. And, you know, media just hung out and athletes just hung out and still performed. We got a huge crowd that came out and people still sent. They really sent hard for, for what it was. How do you be, and I struggle with this, so I'm going to get your inside scoop. There's a ton of media there, right? Like you're one of 30. Uh-huh. How do you stand out? How do you get a different shot? How do you continue to like, like what's your process when you look at that? And obviously that's not a simple question, but we're all, yeah. we're, we're shooting Corbett's. We, most of us listening know what Corbett's is. We've seen the photos from there. How do we make this? How do you make this? interesting and the weather sucks so we're not getting those like <laughs> glamour powder shots we're not getting those deep yeah. backseat landings oh man that is a tough question i don't know i guess it's kind of i don't know if i went into corbett's in another way than i would go around any other event that i shoot um because i historically have shot a lot of events like west coast sessions um nights uh nine nights in italy when they did the world's biggest hip i shoot a lot of spartan trail stuff really like when the conditions are that rough and you can't get those hero just like absolute banger shots you have to really focus on like the emotion behind it and I'll, a lot of what my work resides in and why i think i can stand out is that i'm capable of capturing the feeling and so you know 
athletes are lined up at the top. I was, you know, maybe 200 yards up above them, kind of trying to shoot down and the winds like blowing into the cooler and you can see every single athlete like looking over and it looks gnarly. And like, that's a really great way to be like, Hey, this sucks, but like everybody's still out here. We're like showing the mission. Um, I was lucky this week because I was out with Red Bull. So I got some priority and some shots, which was cool that <laughs> let me stand out. So I got to uh, sit underneath the the lip of the jump um, on contest day and get some really nice wide angle shots. But yeah, I think when conditions are rough, it's like trying to show that they're rough in like a positive manner. And yeah, I think a lot of that really comes down to like getting up and close and personal with athletes and the conditions and uh, making it work. Yeah, there's no good answer for that. It's such a it's no, a, it's a shit question <laughs> on my end. But I do find it hard. And I I photograph weddings. Most people know that. But like there was summers where I shot 30 weddings and it's like these people's most magical day of their lives. And for you or me, it's another Friday. It's another Saturday. So like I've struggled with that and I've taken less and that's helped me a lot staying creative. Mm-hmm. Um it's storytelling and that's the goal, right? It's always to like tell a story. And sometimes the story isn't picture perfect. It's not, Mm -hmm. there's no snow and it's, it's shitty and it's windy. And these athletes are scared because some of these athletes getting the invite, this is their make or break moment. And yep, absolutely. It's, do you feel it when you're there? Do you feel that pressure? Do you feel that like from the athletes and then you, do you feel the pressure to capture that moment? Ooh, um, I don't know if I always feel the the pressure from athletes. I think I can feel their anxiety. Um, another thing that I really try to do, whether it's Kings and Queens or kind of any other event, is that I try to get as close to the athletes as possible. Like I'm there to have like open energy, to like feel like I'm a friend, to feel like I can get in comfy with them. Because I'm sure you know this too because you're a wedding photographer Like as a photographer, it can be awkward because you're kind of coming in as a stranger and you are capturing those like really intimate moments. And if you don't make a connection with your client or your athlete or anything, you're not going to get the same feel. Um, So I can feel the tension or the excitement from people. And a lot of times I can get an opportunity to get into their head and see what they're thinking and like, oh, I'm going to drop in over here or like somebody's going to do like you know, a, a backside or a double backy or any of that. Um, I mostly feel the pressure from myself. I am um, a very self-critical person. And so on any event, I'm like, okay, I can't just like shoot this like it's any other day. I need to come in and like, I am immediately like studying all of the shots that are in my head. Um, Actually, most nights before an event, I I dream about my shot list and I don't get very good sleep, Um, which can be a positive and a negative. But a lot of times before I'm even up on a venue, I already have like the shots that I think I need to get in my head and like where I think I can get them from. Uh, And yeah, I mean, especially on events like this, there's a really, really quick turnaround time uh, we were, the event ended at two 30 and we already had our top 15 selects by three 45. So like you have to get down the mountain, you're in the Red Bull communication room. Things are really high. All of the videographers are coming in and they're relaxing. They're getting their beers and they're like, yeah, our day's done. And then we've got our like photographer corner where like, <laughs> You know, you, you got the, the sweats because you're really nervous. You're like, I need to find like my top 15 shots in a matter of seconds. Like you're just looking at thumbnails and getting it through. And that's where I feel the tension too. And as a photographer, I am sure you understand this too. Um, raw images are really sacred. Like a lot of times you don't like to show people a raw image versus an edited just because like a lot of what goes into a photo is how – you compose it in post like that can be a make or break moment. And in, in the Red Bull room, we're all there and showing raw images. And I'm like, oh, my God, Emily, like, don't try to apologize too much. They, they know what they're doing. Like, be like, yeah, I'm going to 
boost his shadow or like, oh yeah, well, I, I think I'm going to make this moodier. And it's just like, we don't have time to do that. Like there's no, there's no time to get as creative. And that's where I think I get really nervous on some shots too. Yeah. You're, it, it's funny when you get to that level, like now you're shooting for Red Bull and like, it's, it, that's the peak, right. Of like the outdoor mm-hmm. world. Like it's Red Bull. There's, it's Red Bull. There is no, it speaks for itself, but like now yeah. you have all these people like looking at your raw photos and for people listening who don't know what a raw photo is, it's basically like, I don't know how the best way to describe it, but our cameras shoot in a raw format. So there's like no color correction. No, like they're very flat. They need to be edited and they're huge files. So like you can pull a ton of colors out and shadows and it's basically like a, I don't know how to describe or I'm sure there's a proper term, but like when you shoot a JPEG on your phone, there is like slight color correction. It's already done. It's automatically yep. done. Um, I'm just trying to clear it up for anyone listening. That's a horrible definition of raw, but like, I don't know. I'm not a classically trained, but it's an unfinished piece of work. It's an unfinished canvas. Yeah. Like you would never deliver a raw photo. No, just- never. Like sometimes Man, sometimes the color is like insane out of camera. You can just be like, boom, no color correction done. But even in that process, the color slightly changes to post. It's just like, yeah. I mean, raw is like shooting on, you know, a film camera and you're looking at the negative and negatives got, you know, burn and dodge moments too, where people were able to like modify that. And then I guess, yeah, I don't know how else to describe it either. Like, but a JPEG, what your phone can capture sometimes looks better than what's going to look like out of the camera right away. Yeah. Which I think is important to, for people listening, uh, yeah. especially all of my brides who I will never show photos to on their wedding day. <laughs> no. Um, but it's, and you're like, it's, you're almost a digital painter at the end of the day and your photos specifically you seem to capitalize a lot on like natural light and like things still look natural, a little dark and moody at times where I think it plays specifically like the mountain biking world. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, and I hate saying timeless cause people think there's like, that's a negative term, but like I, your photos are great because they feel timeless. They're capturing a moment, but that moment should still feel the same in 20 years, even though the bike will be dated and the gear will be dated the photo is timeless. And I think there's power in that. And the reason I bring that up is how do you, because I'm assuming, and you can rebuttal to this, but like that's you and staying true to yourself and your work, but you're in a digital creative fast paced world where like that laser cat or laser eye background that you wanted in eighth grade is such a, it's a trend, right? Like that's what we all wanted. We wanted that laser background. But you seem to stay true. Like you don't. This is a long-winded. I don't know. But like they're, they're keep complimenting me. Go on. No, but they're real, and I think there's power in that because I see some photos in some advertisements, and like at the end of the day, it started as a photo, and then it just became like a digital painting, and then it's just like, yeah, this is what's on trend right now. But in a year, that photo is gonna look gaudy as shit. Yeah. And like, I think we are pushed as artists or photographers, however you want to call ourselves to like keep up with the Kardashians in that sense. Yeah. And looking at your portfolio, it seems like you've stayed true and I'm sure you've evolved, but like to what you do, Mm -hmm. how, I guess advice to anyone listening to like, I don't know. I just feel like there's pressure to like keep, there was a trend where people were Photoshopping brides and grooms, like being, like the whole bridal party was running and then they'd like put a T-Rex behind them. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So it was a guy from Buffalo actually who like fucking started it. But I was like, I'm not that guy. I'll never be that guy. Like I want the only thing that in your photo, I want to be dated in 30 years is your mustache and your haircut. Like other than that, like this photo is still timeless. My parents' wedding photos, the suits are dated. Everything's dated, but the photos timeless. Mm -hmm. So how do you stay long, long, long question. Did you always stay true to what you felt was like your art or did you feel pushed to get to where you are or like advice to anyone listening? Who's like, well, this is what the client wants. And like me, my advice would be like, well, maybe that client doesn't want you then. Oh man. Yeah. So that is a long that's that's a <laughs> long and good question and also like a multi-tiered because 
I think I absolutely have felt that pressure a lot. And especially in like the social media world. I mean, I, um, I've built a lot of my career on social media, on Instagram, and um, it's been great. I think if I went back 10 years and had the option to do it again, I probably wouldn't focus so much on the social media aspect of it because I think there is a lot of that to when you're seeing other artists and you're like seeing what they're doing and you're like, oh, I need to do that now because like, look at how many likes they're getting. They're like blasting me out of the water on how popular they are. And like, it is very trendy um, and things like things like that. Like, I really feel that pressure. I would say I, I don't, I, I don't know if I feel classic because I, I still really respect classic photographers you know, the people that I admire and even have had the opportunity to like kind of mentor me at times is like Jeff Creco, like insane photographer that's been in the game for so long. And I respect his images because I also feel like they're timeless. And granted, he's, you know, one of the guys that kind of started evolving this industry for a while. And so like, yeah, his style is like a classic in the industry. But um, Mark O'Brien, I've just been starting to talk to, you know, he's incredible. But uh, I study and obsess and look at their images as my inspiration and what I think is important in the ski industry. And so I try to stay as true to kind of like what they do, which is feeling kind of classic. Sometimes I do some like weird things, um, but not really. Um, <laughs> it has definitely my, – my style has evolved over time and all this stuff. Well, as it every should. Time, yeah. But like, yeah, less is good. Is that what you just said? No, yeah. I said as it should. I mean, if oh, we're the same. Should, but yeah, less is also good. Less is good too. <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Which is, you know, I speak to a high school once a year and they do a, a career in the arts class. So I always talk to them. It's like, and everyone's got a camera and they have Photoshop and they just like, not destroy the images, but like, you know, maybe if you just did a little less, like you don't have to drag the clarity all the way up. I know it looks harsh and like, ah, but just, you know, and it's just because you can doesn't mean you should. I think that's like the easiest way to look at it. But I think it is important to see what those, you know, people listening are like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? But yeah, <laughs> um, this is a photographer episode. Peter Cyril was yeah. on last week. Emily's on this week. We've got Blotto coming up. So it's going to be a lot of photographers coming on. Um, Another iconic. Amazing. But oh, again, yeah. stayed true and like the black and white and the powerful. He just released a book with his iPhone, which yeah. is even more like what I love and been trying to sell. But as far as like whatever camera you have on you is the best one possible. But 1000%. Back to you. Um, it's. Yeah, you shouldn't be the same photographer you were 10 years ago, but you still like you're going to go through phases and you're going to look back on photos and be like, ah, I don't know. So like, what is your delivery process if it's not due in 10 minutes? Like, what does that look like? Um, It is. It's, it's still, it's honestly still pretty quick. I'm not going to lie. I, um, I do very fast turnarounds. And so usually what I do is like at the end of the day, I, you know, I sit down, I have all my raw images up in Lightroom. I go through and I do, um, so in Lightroom, there's, you know, like a starting process if people aren't familiar with like Lightroom, Adobe materials you can like one star to five star and then after that you can like code with you know the colors of the rainbow and all of this so i start out with going through really quickly every single image any image that i think i like that i want to review i start with a three star then i go back through those three stars i do the four star then i go to the four star to the five star and then if i think i have multiple clients in there then i do five star blue for like pivot cycles five star green for like wild rye if i'm shooting in mountain biking um, and then after that, I do um, a quick color process. I have some presets that I've made for myself, one that's for mountain biking, one that's for snow that basically covers all conditions. And then I'll go through, I'll do some minor exposure editing, see if I like it or don't like it. And then I can narrow that down to like what my top selects are. And that whole process can take anywhere from uh, like 
two hours to like 12 hours, you know, it kind of depends on what it is. Uh, for people that don't know some of my history too, I've worked in resorts a lot. I, one of my first photo jobs was for a, a sharpshooters out of the canyons when it was the canyons. Then my second one was really uh, being the photographer for Timberline Lodge. Um, I am the campaign photographer for Kirkwood, and I also work on the Palisades team. And a lot of resort work requires you to have a really quick turnaround time because if you're out there getting a conditions report, it needs to be on their social media before 3 o'clock. It needs to be there at the end of the day so that people are like, oh, that's right. That was like the sickest day ever. Like, look at how the pal was. Um, so that's been super ingrained in my head. So that whole process usually goes really quickly for me. And then um, – I will pull things into Photoshop if I need to get rid of spots, you know, like little dust spots on my camera. But other than that, it's all Lightroom, basically the same preset, some slight adjustments, and then bam, it's out the door. Yeah. How convenient is it now? It's like so, oh, it's so nice. I always tell Photoshop is like surgery. Like you don't bring yeah. it into, you only do surgery if you have to. Like you're not. Yep bringing everything people again people listening are like people are either geeking out over this or they're like ah, i have no idea what they're talking about yeah uh, i mean it's funny like i i have a lot of tattoos but i have the spot removed tattoo yeah. from photoshop um because you know shit will always buff and post and that's like with life and in photos but that's like the only tool i really use in photoshop anymore i like Maybe use a curve tool every once in a while. Most of all, it mostly it's just like getting those stupid spots of dust out of a photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so funny because you're just like, yeah, that'll come out later. I know that. I try not to shoot yeah. like that all the time, but sometimes, yeah. you, sometimes you just have to. Um, yeah. Let's go back a little bit. What is, I don't want to say young Emily because you're still young Emily, but what is young Emily doing did you go to did you go to college was this like i'm gonna be a photographer this is my life like give us we don't have to go too far back you know i don't care if you played jv soccer like but like what did this look like how did you get to to the emily we know now okay i will can i the long, long story I won't go into. It's still going to be a long story, but I'll we cut the, the early part short. Um, so basically, starts at birth. No, um, <laughs> my family is incredibly creative. Um, my mom is a crafter. My sister does art history. Absolutely talented artist. But most importantly, my dad is a um, abstract landscape artist. And when I was a kid, his studio was my bedroom. So I had like my twin bed in the corner with like all of my toys and stuff. And then he had this massive table in there where he would have some of his watercolors. Um, he does a lot of like acrylics. We grew up in Southern Minnesota, so we paint a lot of cornfields. And so when I was a kid, I would be playing like shoe store at his feet while he was painting in the room. And like some of the first things he would have me do when I was like three or four is that he would like teach me how to critique art. So I would sit on his lap and we would stare at his painting for whether I had the attention for like five minutes or 30 minutes. And then he'd be like, okay, what do you think? Like, what's the colors? Like, what do the colors make you feel? Like, do you like this little like gloop of paint over here or do you not? And so he instantly started like getting me into the importance of like art and having an eye. And was also emphatic for both my sister and I that, like, if you follow your passions, you can find a job and that art can always be a job. Like, you can always do that. He wound up doing scientific illustration for his entire career and he did his abstract landscape art on the side and, like, found pleasure in it. You know, a job can be a job. That's why it's called a job. So, like, it's always highlights and lowlights. But so when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I'm going to be my dad when I'm when I grow up, I'm going to be a scientist. I'm going to do all this and I'm going to be a painter. I got into art when I was five and turns out I'm not so hot of a painter as I am other things. Um, my biggest takeaway from like where I am right now as like a photographer is that my greatest skill is that I'm a learner and I'm really excited about learning. I am not necessarily 
skilled at anything other than like the the will to learn. Um, so was still kind of trying to do the art thing and got into skiing. And uh, we moved, I lived in Southern Minnesota, we moved up North and when I was 13. And my mom was like, look, you've got to make friends up here. So you're joining the Girl Scouts or you're doing something else. And I was like, well, I want to join the ski team. Like I want to join the ski team. I'm not a good skier, but like, let's do that. Um, and so joined the ski team and one of my best friends from the ski team was like, Hey, got this ski movie from this production company. It's called Matchstick. The movie's called Yearbook. I'm going to give you the oh, DVD. Yearbook. You should watch Ugh, my favorite movie still of all time. And he's like, you should watch it over the weekend. And I remember like putting it into my DVD player, watching it and my jaw just like dropping, being like this is the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden it just like clicked in my head. I was like, I want to, I want to do that. Like, I want to be a photographer for skiing. I hadn't even really even been that into photography before. I had always taken photos, but it wasn't the thing. But at that age, I was like, nope, not going to be an archaeologist anymore. I'm dipping out on science entirely. This is what I'm going to do. So I, uh, Broke my parents' hearts at 18 when I told them that I wasn't going to go to a school in Minnesota. I was going to move out to the West Coast. I was going to take a year off to gain residency in the state of Washington, and then I would go to school. Um, <laughs> that was a mixed make. I am actually a four-time college dropout. <laughs> yes. Good for you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. I uh, started at school in Olympia, Washington at Evergreen State College. Super cool, super funky school, but it was right next to Mount Hood. And I had gone to ski camp at Mount Hood when I was a teenager, hated the experience, but for some reason really loved government camp. And so when I moved out west, I was like, I'm going to spend a summer at Mount Hood. And I did that the summer after my first year at school. Um, slept in <laughs> in like an attic with six people, two dogs, one of them that was a Great Dane. Um, there was two rickety bunk beds and everybody else kind of just like piled in where they could fit. And it was the best experience of my life. So when I went back to school that fall, I like kind of couldn't get over like the bug of Mount Hood. So I asked my summer job, which was at a cafe in the downtown loop of Govey, High Mountain Cafe, if I could come back and work weekends. And they said yes. So I would drive three hours. I would leave class on Friday, drive three hours to get to Govey. I uh, weaseled my way into claiming that I was the niece of someone that worked at the ODOT Department of Transportation at the bottom of Timberline Lodge. I slept in an empty room there for 60 bucks a month and paid rent in Olympia too. And I would work two days, drive back in time for class Monday morning. And I did that for an entire winter. And uh, after that, I called my dad, the artist, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm gaining from going to, to school right now. Like, I love the education. I'm there, but I'm spending a lot of money and I know what I want to do. And he was like, leave. What's the point of going to a class to have somebody sit there and tell you how to do something, especially if you want to go to art school, like don't go to art school. I still went to art school for a year. Um, but he's like, go out and learn. Um, so basically, yeah, dropped out of school and just kind of started doing like the full-time govy life. Uh, spent like, I like to say like a decade there. Um, a decade of like summers and then like five winters full time. And yeah, kind of started shooting photos between there and Utah and spending a lot of time in the park, honestly, just with like a camera, just like sitting there. I would shoot every person that would go across this rail and people started paying attention and be like, hey, like, can I see those photos? Or like, hey, what's your email? Like, can I look at those later? Started to get to know people, get to know some pros, started getting invited to things, yeah, like West Coast Sessions, which used to be an epic event. Um, did you ever get to go to West Coast? I did not. Um, no. oh. I've always been a like a very, skiing is like my favorite thing to do. 
Yeah. But I've always like pushed it away. Like I don't right. I don't want to photograph skiing. I don't want to photograph mountain biking. And like I I've fallen I'm doing that a little more now. Mm-hmm. But like I can't sit at that rail and take pictures of people hitting it. Like I want to hit that rail and I suck, but like, I want to hit that rail. Um, yeah. And that's why I think weddings always work for me. Cause I'm like, I, this is work. Like going back to the job thing, like this is my job. And I, so I've always like pushed it away a little bit, which I think I said no to some opportunities for sure. Uh, and you know, that's always like, and maybe, I don't know now that I'm like more, like I'm in super involved in the industry now with the podcast that like mm-hmm. I'll do more photo stuff because I'm definitely not going to send Corbett's, but, um, yeah, exactly. I'll skirt my way down it. But, um, so no, I never, I've always just like, I've no, I never wanted to be a ski photographer. I never wanted to do any of that because I wanted to do I- it. Yeah, I I mean, and that's kind of nice, too, because then you still get to like, I mean, not that I don't still enjoy skiing and I'm like a new mountain biker and I I enjoy that. But it's hard when you like intertwine all your passions into one thing and then it becomes your job because then it's like it's really hard to separate. And a lot of days it's it's like hard to go out on a pow day without my camera backpack, without like 20 pounds on my back being like, what? if I miss the shot today, what if this is the one day that I'm out and I'm trying to have fun and I like miss the shot. So I totally get it. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I am supposed to photograph for my home resort and it's like a pow day. And then the marketing guy messages me and I was like, dude, I skied all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you can have my pass back. <laughs> like, Oh man. I like, I am the total opposite person. But also, I mean, sorry, Dash. Maybe that, that kind of explains because like a lot of why I take photos and found my passion in that, too, is because like one of the things that makes me the happiest in the world is seeing other people happy. And like I'm, I'm a recovering like people pleaser. So like that is kind of where it came into. But the reality is that like if an athlete is like stoked on their photo, I am like 10 times happier than if I got that, like that pow shot or if I hit that rail, I don't hit rails anymore. I was barely good at it in the first place. Bring it back. um, I just dropped a full, this is my best park at it in 10 years. It's still bad, but I'm 35. I'm (laughs) blown out and I hit rails all day on Monday and it was amazing, but I think it boils back to like, and this is always my preach and this is a side note, but like, skiing is fun and it should always be fun. And like, just because yeah. you're not good at it, you can still be good at it for you who was never yeah. that good at hitting rails. Like I did a K fed on Monday. I'm telling the Dude. world I haven't done a K like it's been 10 years since I've done a K fed. K feds will never die. No, live, live on. I did two both ways front and back to, I, I was on fire and I like mounted a pair of, uh, Idolos on Sunday, center mounted them with pivot 18s. I skied in a, a tech touring boot because that's all I have. And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to ride park. And it, but my point of this statement is go have fun and have fun for you. No one cares if you're good as long as yep. you are progressing for yourself, or even if you're not and you're just having fun. I think that's important to drive home with skiing or snowboarding oh, yeah. or whatever we're doing. Absolutely. I totally agree. It's like also because if you're like starting out, whether you're like 35 hitting the park and you're like having fun or you're like 35 and you're learning to ski, like good for you. Like feel I hate when people. It's hard to start something new when you're older and to not feel like incredibly embarrassed about it. And then you like take away from the fact that you're kind of enjoying it. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, we're too I, embarrassed. Yeah. Like I'm pretty fresh to mountain biking. I took like a 14 year break on bikes and only got back into it in 2020. And like my mountain bike career really launched far beyond what my skill level is on a bike and I'm working up to it. But at first I was like a little intimidated and I was like, maybe I don't like, 
oh, why am I trying to learn to bike in like my 30s? This feels like a huge mistake. And then I took a step back and I was like, this is fun. I'm at the beginning of something again. When was the last time I was at the beginning of something? Like I get to feel myself progress and I get to like scream and like be stoked about that. And like, oh my God, I hit all those those roots going down or like I even like got off the air for like a little bit. It was so great. I like banked that corner really good. I feel so great about it. And there can be so much just like uh, you said, you know, like Jerry of the day, like not a huge fan of Jerry of the day. Cause it's just like, I'm not there to make fun of somebody that's like going to go out and like have a really good time. And like, I hope they just enjoy it, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, I agree with you a hundred percent. And like, I'm, I can't say I'm always innocent of that. Yeah. You know, but it's like, I, I'm horrible at mountain biking. I can ride a mountain bike, but like, yeah. I am not a good mountain biker. I happen to be a position where I can afford a very nice mountain bike. So yep. now I go places and people are like, oh, and then they see me and they're like, this guy sucks. And I'm like, yeah, well, I have a lot of friends in high places. No, but um, it's funny because people like like I totally my gear is way better than I am on yeah. my mountain bike. hundred yep. percent. Like I'm on a Revel Rascal. Like I remember the first time I took it out. I like got to a trailhead and this guy was asking me like a thousand questions. And like, I don't know what kind of hubs I have. I don't know. Like, yeah. like my shifter's electric. I, great. I don't know anything about it. It's just what I got. Like, I don't want okay. cables. Someone was like, Hey, do you? And I was like, I don't want cables. This is what I'll pay the extra money. I'll work a little more this week. That's where I want to be. I can't tune it. I don't want to fine tune. Great. People like ask me, I'm like, Oh, someone gave it to me. That's what I say now when people, Cause now they're just mad at me anyway and I suck, but like, I'm like a professional fun haver and no one will have more fun than me. And that's like yeah. my rule oh, every day. Yeah. I think that that's so great. And I think that's exciting. And I think we need to emphasize that more in the outdoor industry in general. It's just like, be a professional fun haver, like go out and have fun. Like let's try and be out there for the crew. And like, you know, I, if I'm in the park sometimes and, you know, there's like a family coming through with their kiddos and they're going down like the the jump, like I'm not going to yell at them that they're being a Jerry, but I am going to go in there and be like, hey, I'm like, it's great that you're having fun. You're going to die if you stay in the spot. So have but your fun. Else. That's different than like, <laughs> you know, we have a very small terrain park. So everyone, all the kids just side hit. And I'm like, I don't care if you side hit. But like what I try to teach the mom and the dad is just keep them flowing. Get out of the way. Yes. Like because I don't think I was ever a side hitter. But like if I was like I don't want to get hit by the kid who's 17 and thinks he's pro in this park. Yep. Because he's a huge fish in a, fish in a small pond and he's going to demolish your daughter unintentionally. Yep. Like yeah, just because he's ignorant a little bit. But like because yeah. he wasn't willing to skip that hit. But it's yeah it's funny and it's crazy and like with the podcast and i'm sure you get it being in your position with the photographer they just assume you're like a like oh i host a podcast so i'm like an athlete and i'm like uh i'm just an enthusiast like i just yeah like yeah <laughs> and then you get exactly. to go to all these places and you're like i don't know i don't know yep um we're gonna go back a little bit we'll back and we'll okay. pop all over the place when did you feel like holy shit, I can do this. Like I made it, not made it, but like your first like break, like you don't have to work at a coffee shop anymore. And like you're getting paid. And like, when Ooh. was that moment? Um, well, the moment when I was like, I'm going to quit my job was literally, uh, I'm just going into my fourth year of like full-time freelance as of February 1st. And thank you. I've been really hyped on it. It's been, you know, up and downs, but like before that I had always been kind of like hustling on the side and, um, you know, getting photo jobs here and there, um, getting published in magazines here and there. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, I'm really excited. Like, this is what I want to keep doing. It wasn't until I got the job offer at Kirkwood um, as their campaign photographer and, um, the manager at that time, my friend, Sarah, shout out to Sarah. 
over at Steo now. Um, she looked at me and she was like, do you have a day job? I was like, yeah, I'm a server. Yeah, Steo Magazine. <laughs> We're looking at it right now. That's awesome. Um, she was like, do you have a day job? And I was like, yeah, I'm a server, but I just work on the weekends. She's like, quit your job. You don't need it anymore. You should quit. And like in the meeting, I was like, yeah, okay. But like my body, I like started like stress sweating. I was like, oh my God, am I actually going to get to like quit my job? Um, and like called my mom on the way home and like started crying. And I was like, mom, I, I think I can do it. Like, I think I'm going to go for it. And she's like, we've been waiting for this moment for years. You deserve it. Like end it. And I went back to um, my now fiance, but my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, what are your thoughts about me ending surveying? And he was like, go for it. If, you know, the first few months are rough, I have you for the first two months, like for rent and everything, go out, run with it, like work really hard, like you deserve it. I've got no problem with you chasing your dreams. And um, so that's really when I first kind of realized it. I mean, I think there were points in time, like when I when I got hired to like work at, at New Schoolers on their like content team, that was like, a, oh, I did it. And like when I landed my first like spread in a magazine, I was like, oh. when Jason Leventhal hired me to shoot photos for Jay Skis, I was like, okay, great. Like these are like pivotal moments where like I'm seeing the progression. I think I can do it. Um, and yeah, now I'm just kind of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always weird to talk about because it just there there is a moment, but there's never like you're still doing it like you. Yeah, I assume you have like a couple, you know, really great clients that are like, OK, I know I can pay my bills this month. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then it's like always growing, always expanding and always hoping to be, you know, thought of when they have a big event and like it's scary. There's a 18 year old kid out there who wants your job. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you always, you know, how do you stay on top, continue to stay on top? And I think you talked about a little bit, it's, it's relationships and friendships and, you know, and just being you, I think is important. And I think we forget that as, mm -hmm. you know, I say it to my wedding clients. I'm like, we're already meeting because you like my photos. Now you have to like me. Like if you don't like my exactly. hair, my hair is at your wedding and I will ruin your wedding no matter what yep. I do. Like, so I think there's power in relationships. And I say that because of just people listening and like who want to get into this career. It's you have to be a good artist. You have to be a good photographer. You have to deliver. You have to do what mm -hmm. you say you're going to do. You have to answer the text. You know, you were up at 3 a.m. for uh, King of Queens last week. Like. Yeah. It sucks. It's a job. It's a dream yeah. job, but it's a job. And oh, yeah. It's, you know, it's refreshing to see and refreshing to watch. And um, I don't know. Do you ever feel, and maybe this is an overstepping question, but I deal with it a lot with imposter syndrome. <laughs> Big time. Huge time. All the time. How do you, how do you deal with it? Um, sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Sometimes I don't deal with it. Um, there, there's a lot of ways. Um, one is when I get nice messages from like clients or I see nice things on the internet, I'll, I'll screenshot it. I have a little wall in like my back room that has screenshots of nice things that people have said about me, emails. Um, Anytime I get published in a magazine, I purchase two or three copies and I have a shelf of all of my published work so that if I feel shitty, I can look over there and be like, look, like 60 people in the last like three years or, you know, not 60 people, but at least 60 of your images were good enough that somebody thought that they should go out to a world where someone can like physically touch them. And that's great. Um, I think having like a group like a supportive, even like one person around you that you can be like, look, I need to like word vomit about how bad I feel right now. Cause this just doesn't feel real. You know, like I don't deserve this job and I just need to get it out of my head. Cause I think a lot of the times is like for me personally, imposter syndrome, if I don't like 
say it out loud, then it lives in my head and then it continues to spiral and spiral and spiral. And then I'm in this like little pit of just like, oh, I should quit my job. Like this is pointless. Like I'm, I'm not good enough at this. Um, what other, how else do I kind of get over imposter syndrome? Honestly, which I think kind of relates to a little bit of what you were saying before about like how you stand out from other people is that imposter syndrome can sometimes feel like jealousy and, you know, obviously comparison to other people. I, for a long time would feel like really jealous and envious of other people's work or their opportunities. And I like, couldn't get over it. And I'd feel myself just like loathing this person for nothing besides the fact that like they lived in Colorado. They got the job. I lived on the West coast. I didn't get the job. And I decided to like try to cancel that as much and instead like put that energy into actually supporting other people. So anytime I did feel jealous, I like went out and told somebody else that their work was sick and it started like, changing the pattern in my head of like the imposter syndrome, which makes you feel like you need to be competitive, which means like I need to talk shit on this person because if I talk shit on this person, then maybe I'll get the job. Um, I don't know. I changed that dialogue in my head and um, yeah, that's helped a lot. So I think that now might've just kind of, I said that was going to mom talk and this is me kind of talking in circles here. No, that's, there is no real answer to that. And I think yeah. you know, I was just letting you talk. Cause I think you were, you know, you, you got somewhere even, you know, you walked around, but you got there and I think that's, yeah. but that's important. Like we are human. And I think that's the point of this, this podcast is to show we are, we are all human. And I ask that question, not necessarily for an answer, but more yeah. for anyone listening, like, Emily's a human and she's busted her ass to get to where she is. And like you might, someone listening might think that they're, they deserve your spot and mm -hmm. you know, and that's cool. But it's like, you know, you saying it out loud and being like, you know, shit talking didn't help me. And you know, like none of that, there's room in this industry for a lot of great artists. And I think you are one of them and the industry's done a great job showcasing you and it seems like you're just gaining more ground which is usually how it should work mm -hmm. <laughs> um but it's nice it's nice to hear someone at the top of their game being human yeah well and then i guess that's because thank you you brought me back to the track in my head where i was going is that like now instead of like Cause there's a, there can be a lot of gatekeeping. There can be gatekeeping and anything, but a lot, it, I feel like it happens in the outdoor industry because people are intimidated and are worried that they're going to lose a job from somebody else that's coming up. That is like, Hey, I admire you. And I, I want your job. Like I get a lot of people in my DMS and like TikTok that are like, you have the sickest job in the world. And instead of like trying to do that energy to like, yeah, I do. And I want to keep it. I have been trying to be as supportive to other fellow photographers that are younger than me or my same age that are wanting to propel up because I wish I had had people that were doing that for me earlier in my career. And the fact that they want to get up there and they might be a sick photographer. Yeah. They're not, they're not me. Like I'm Emily. And a lot of the reason why people hire me now is because I am who I am. I'm, I'm Minnesota nice. I can be really caring. I can be compassionate. I can make connections with people. I'm also kind of grimy. I mean, I color my hair purple. Sometimes I shave the side of my head. I, will go out and party with the athletes and then, yeah, go back to my hotel room at 2.30 in the morning and work until 3.45 and then wake up the next morning at 5 and be like, okay, time to go. Like, but that's a lot of who I am. Like, I think that that's a lot of reason why people hire me or if people are listening to this and didn't know that I do that, that's not me. I don't do that. <laughs> no, Always a professional. Yeah, I'm always a professional, but I think really in reality, like that is what sells me. And so if somebody else wants to like come in and be a part of this community, like go for it. It's really saturated. It's like competitive as hell at the top or at the bottom, but like just keep going and like feel free to ask questions and be yourself because 
sometimes the work can all look the same. And if you don't separate yourself as an individual, then, you know, it, yeah, it's a saturated market. People will just bypass it. Yeah. And, and, you know, with art in general, I think it's so easy to do everything the same because that's what's happening. So yeah. it's like, it's hard. When I shoot, I try to shoot, especially because I don't shoot a lot of skiing or biking. So when I do, I'm like, what can I shoot that's different than anybody else? Because like, mm-hmm. I'm not usually getting paid to do it if I do do it. So, cause I don't, I'm not in that world and that's fine. I don't expect to be paid to do it, but like, this is my opportunity to be like, just like be an artist and interpret it. I shot snow cross years ago and I was obsessed with the roost. Yeah. So like, but like, I have so many photos of just like, the root and like I got the standard shots that I like it was a paid gig so I had to get but then I like delivered all these like roost shots and I was like these were like I was just geeking out over it like it was yeah. so it was like its own like the sled was in there you could see it a little bit but like I just they're like some of my favorite photos to this day because and it was just like I don't think anyone out there doing that is doing that mm-hmm. and maybe some of them are but I don't know like the one person i know that's done snow cross has done it for 10 years and it's like how do you stay creative in that and i think she does a good job of doing it but like it's fun when you can just go do whatever you want is i guess what i'm saying it's like nice and refreshing and there's always deliverables and that's a whole nother conversation yeah i mean kind of thinking about that like that's like a really good point and um about a like shots that you like and be shots that make you feel individual. Um, one of my mentors out here in Tahoe is GP Martin, who, um, does arcade belts. And when I first moved out here, my first winter, he wanted to sit down and have coffee with me. Cause he's like, you're a new photographer in the area. And he was like, look, I think you have potential. Like I will talk to you about the stuff. Cause he's an insanely talented photographer. He used to be a ski photographer too. He's kind of done a lot of stuff in the game. And one of the first things that he said in our very first conversation is like, look, if you want to be in like the grade A class of photographers in the outdoor industry, you have to be like a Christian Pondella. And like, what does Christian Pondella do? He is very unique. He a is clearly like a talented athlete and like rips around and does all these insane things. I am not trying to get into his market of ice picking up, you know, coolars and taking photos at the same time but gp was like when you see christian's work you know it's christian's work and that's why a magazine is like oh yeah we need to spread from him because like boom he's grant gunderson like you know a grant gunderson image when you see it and he said if you want to be in that grade a like figure out who you are and make sure that you can stand out as an individual amongst all these other people because yeah you don't want all the same things like that rooster shot was probably like sick and they're like yeah finally somebody that shot something a little bit differently like let's go um and i think that like the reality of me actually listening to gp and changing up my style and allowing myself to like kind of feel unique in the industry didn't even start until 2020 when we all had the massive reset and I was getting kind of like burnt out on how my imagery was looking because I'd already been doing it, you know, not not full time, but I've been doing it for five or six years. And I was like, this is just like boring. Like I hate going into the park and shooting the exact same exact same aim goal of this rail or like getting the back the backy shot, which is always sick. But I was like, what can I do to be different and also make me feel excited and different with my work? And that's when things really started springing up. And that's how I got into like mountain biking, I think. And um, I don't know, just kind of really being an individual in both like your personality and your work for that matter. Yeah, I think it's just it just goes back to being like true to self. And I think that comes with it's really easy when you start because you don't know anything else. And then Mm -hmm. you start working for clients and they start like trying to like tell you which way they want to go. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yeah, so you start doing shit you don't feel good about necessarily. And then you get confidence because you're like getting paid a little bit and you're like, okay. And then you start coming back to being like self again, which is yep. 
it's a process. And I think everyone goes through it with anything. I mean, I've been doing, I'm almost at a full year of doing this podcast for me. This is episode 49. So like three, three more weeks and I'll have it, you know, but like, I don't think my first episode is the same as this one. And I, if that's good or bad, I don't know, but I don't know that if I'm doing this in five years, that this episode will be the same as five years from now. And that's, that's cool. All I know mm-hmm. is that I can stay true to self on like the people I want to talk to and the voices that I want to give. Sure. Everyone wants to talk to Cody Townsend. Like it's Cody Townsend. Like he's the Michael Jordan of skiing right now. Like he's doing it and he's evolved as an athlete and it's phenomenal. But like, I want to talk to the Emily's of the world who are like taking the photos and telling the story, like without the use in the world, I don't know if I should call people use, but the use in the world, like, you know, we don't get to tell that story. We don't get to see it. I don't get to live it on Red Bull's page and see like, holy shit, I, I don't have to read anything because I can look at these photos and feel that the conditions sucked and that the athletes are terrified. And mm-hmm. like, that's important conversations to have. So I don't know. I think it's just growing as individuals. And I think it's the best part of growing. It's like growing old is a privilege. We shouldn't mm-hmm. be the same person we were 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Once I, yeah, I completely agree with that. I hope I'm not the same person that I am now that I am in five years. I like actively seek to improve myself and, you know, my artwork every single day. And like staying stagnant doesn't really benefit anyone. It's not, it's not worth it. Not at all. Um, couple quick questions. You mm-hmm. shoot Canon still? Yep. Still You're... Canon. Why have you not gone mirrorless or are you shooting the Canon mirrorless? <laughs> I have not gone mirrorless because as part of my personality, I am kind of a mess. I am rough on my gear, like insanely rough. Do I get some great, uh, uh, light flares on my lenses. Yeah, I do. Is that maybe because some of my lenses are scratched? Yeah, it is. Um, and I also like change my lenses like obsessively. I am constantly between three lenses on every shoot and mirrorless kind of scares me a for the dust and B for like, I'm shooting in snow and water and all of these like gnarly dusty conditions, like rampage. There's like dust flying everywhere. And um, the sensor is just going to be a nightmare. And so I kind of worry about that. There are benefits to shooting mirrorless. It's so much lighter. Like you can get, I mean, the colors are incredible. I mean, the technology is like really, really great. But I shoot on a 1DX, which is like a five pound camera body. And I bring a full arsenal of lenses, even if I'm in the backcountry. So my backpack always weighs 20 pounds and sometimes it weighs more if I'm out there. And I like it. I like the struggle. <laughs> I, just, I like it. I like it. I know that if that camera tumbles, she's going to take a hit. And I know that if it's cold out, like I was shooting up in Revelstoke once a few years ago and I didn't have this body, but like my entire camera body had turned white because it was so cold out. And like with the Wendy X, I'm, I'm not sweating about that. Like she's still going to shoot. She might shoot slower, but she's still going to go. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the answer to that. <laughs> I, hey, I take it. I switched to mirrorless and I'm like, I, it's the easiest decision I've ever made in my life. Like yeah, for wedding. I mean, weddings are different. Like we're not yeah. shooting elements. It's, low light indoor high speed like it's, it's you don't even need a flat it's like cheating like you don't have to do anything yeah. in the flat, like i know oh the but, low light capabilities and everything i mean i'll probably get one at one point but right now i'm really happy with the weight yeah and i mean it would be cool just for you to like you know maybe as you start enjoying mountain biking a little more instead of like feeling like you need your camera i don't mean enjoying it i mean like taking away the stress of needing your camera a little bit you yeah. can like get a little mirrorless and still have and still shoot beautiful images, but like have it in your fanny pack, which is always fun to trash. I could like easily see that when it comes to mountain biking, because the like balance point of having a heavy pack on you when you're like pedaling uphill or even on some like downhill stuff is not ideal. I mean, a lot of times on mountain biking shoots, like you just 
ditch the the bike entirely and you just walk. When I was with Matchstick, we just walked basically with Kate Courtney because it was like it's easier. Yeah, it's easier. It's easier. And you're usually just doing segments of the trail. She's not exactly like, right. You're not sh- like you only shoot one turn at a time. So whatever. Um, yeah. If you had to shoot one thing for the rest of your life and it was between ski and bike, which would you choose? Oh, no offense skiing, but it's mountain biking right now, like tenfold. I don't think there's offense. Skiing sucks. Like, <laughs> well, it's cold. It's only good when there's snow and you have to get up stupid or like mountain biking. You can like, oh, let's do a sunset shoot. And it's yeah. 80 degrees and like have a good time. <laughs> Yeah. And like, there's so much more opportunity for you to like play with color and light and shadows and like, not going to lie. Part of it is easier because if that athlete screws up or if like you don't like the placement on the first shot, they can just bike up and do the exact same thing again. And you can like session something, which you can do in the park, but like a pow shot is a pow shot. It's one and done. If something screws up on either end, like, okay, well, move on from this. That's like really hard. But, um, I've been really passionate about mountain biking cause I, yeah, I've shot and skiing for so long and it's really just white. And you just hope that there's a pop of color on your athlete and like black kids. I get it. They're sick, but trees are dark and your kid is dark and it's just so hard. But with mountain biking, oh, there's like, I was just down in Oaxaca for a shoot for a mountain biking shoot. And it was nutty it's the most color i've ever used for anything and i was so hyped getting back and then i got back and it was just skiing and i was like white palette all right yeah low tide in tahoe area right now oh yeah uh emily where can people follow you what do you have going on like where are gonna where are we gonna see you next and if you have any sponsors you'd like to thank this is kind of your moment Okay, cool. So on Instagram, you can follow me at Emily Tidwell Photo. There's some underscores in there, but you should be able to find me really easily. I am on TikTok. Not a lot to talk about there, but that's at Link Nation, L-Y-N-K Nation. Um, You can find me on the road for a long time now. Um, Yeah, we're able to talk Today, I am heading down to Phoenix for two days tomorrow for a Pivot Cycles event for a women's retreat. Um, After that, I'll be in Tahoe for a minute, but I'm hoping to be traveling, bouncing around, getting some more Red Bull gigs here and there. It'd be great. And yeah, you'll see me hopefully doing a lot more mountain biking this summer and this spring and going on some adventures. Cool. Any sponsors to thank? Anybody you want to thank? Yeah, uh, we got to thank Blackstrap Face Masks, uh, Wild Rye. We have to thank True Gear, uh, DB Journey, because they make my travel and my camera needs amazing. Got Smith Optics. Um, trying to make sure I don't miss out on anybody. Moment Skis, you know, Moment Skis. Got to love Moment yeah, Skis. Yeah, got Reno. Yeah, Reno Love. Uh, yeah, I think that is them if i miss somebody no i didn't <laughs> i don't know you have ride concepts in your profile here Ride concepts too that's right ride <laughs> concepts with the shoes coming in hot i was only thinking about skiing for most that's part okay. yeah we love ride concepts reno reno base too yeah they are in reno everyone's in reno i gotta go back to i reno. know it's uh, all the rage these days it really is uh emily thank you so much this was phenomenal congratulations on your first podcast you did it I did it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I sure did. Emily, thank you again. That was an amazing conversation. Uh, Hoping to meet up with Emily, do some skiing when I'm out in Reno next week. Again, I'm on the road. I'm West. So all you people who've reached out and talked to my my DMs, when you send me a message, let's go skiing. Follow at Emily Tidwell. Follow at Auto Collective. Follow at Mr. Adam X. Follow Pursuit Podcast on TikTok. Like, share, review. Don't be a dick to people. And have a great day. Uh, I am Mr. Adam X. This is the Pursuit. I guess it's the Auto Collective. And I'm having a great fucking day. I hope you do too. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>